Good evening, ladies. <laughs> of course. <clears throat> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Mo. Why don't you do it once more? <laughs> ah, well, oh, take two. <laughs> Good evening, ladies. Oh my God, I can't even fucking talk today. <clears throat> no budget nightmares. Just a little money, but a whole lot of heart. Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty, just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. Uh, no budget nightmares. Ooh. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Ooh. Mo Porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. It's 2017. Yeah. It's going to be the best year yet, do you think, Mo, maybe? Oh my god, this whole year just filled with nothing but golden memories, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know how uh, optimistic I'm feeling about the future, Mo, but I'll tell you what, I'll put on a brave face for this episode, mm-hmm. because I think this is going to be something special, Mo, we're going to be doing something special, what do you think, Mo? I think uh, this is going to be a good one. I will say, Mo, that I'm feeling a little bit brighter and happier, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just because your president-elect recently, <laughs> there was a story that came out about him being uh, pissed on, or, yeah. uh, you know, it's better to be pissed on than pissed off, I hear. That's what my mom always says. Yeah. Uh, and your mom voted for this gentleman, I believe. <laughs> yes. Yes, she did. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, that's got me in a brighter mood, I have to say. <laughs> well, yeah, you posted the story, and I was like, aren't you glad we waited an extra day to record? <laughs> <laughs> you might even say, uh, Mo, that I'm feeling golden. Uh, <laughs> stay golden, pony boy. Unsubstantiated rumors, I should say. Liberal uh, media, <laughs> untrustworthy. But anyway, getting pissed on, why not? Right, why Mo? Not? Anyway, yeah. we. I want to make it very clear, Mo, right at the top of the show. I think this is, we should get really serious for a second. Uh-huh. There's, there's nothing wrong with getting pissed on. Uh, okay. In my personal opinion. I mean, I'm, Mo- not one, I'm not one to kink shame, but I yeah. mean, you know, it's, it's still pretty fucking gross. Well, it depends on the kind of piss, I guess, right? Well, I mean, only the top quality. Like, the, only the highest quality Russian horror piss. Now... Russian uh, sex workers, Mo, mm-hmm. do you think that they are generally in a dehydrated state? <laughs> so, so you're wondering just how golden the showers are? I mean, I mean, it's again, this is probably not a true story, but I don't give a shit. It's still, it's funny. Honestly, shit. you know, you know what they say? I once watched a movie, Mo, uh, getting back to movies, called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. It's a classic uh-huh. Western. No, don't, don't get too excited there, Mo. Um, <laughs> and in this classic Western, they have a moment where, you know, they say that when it comes between legend and the truth, you should always print the legend because it's bound to be more interesting. So 
So mm-hmm. in my truth, Donald Trump, <laughs> that fucking dipshit that you guys elected president, <laughs> you fucking idiots. Don't say you. Don't don't say you guys. Hey, you guys. Less, less less than half the country voted. for Well, him. you know. <laughs> well, why? How come you and guys haven't won. risen up against him yet? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, because we're the laziest you country. Pieces of garbage. Yeah. You know what? You keep you keep getting distracted by these golden showers when you should be paying attention to something else, probably. <laughs> Emails? I don't know. <laughs> Mo, 2017. Yeah. yeah, we're here finally. We made it. We're back, back again. Shady's back, and we're going to be watching a classic piece of cinema. Like you know, I usually say that Mo, or I say a variation on that on the beginning of a lot of episodes. But usually, I'm uh, I'm doing what the British call uh, taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not today. Today uh, we are watching a legitimate classic. A legitimate classic, and get this, listeners: not only a legitimate classic, but one that you will actually probably have already seen. Mm. Which is so rare on No Budget Nightmares, the podcast that you and I host together. Yep. Well, what is it, Mo? What fucking movie is it? Oh, oh, I get to announce it? Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, today we are watching Frank Henenlotter's classic, Basket Case. Basket Case from the year 1982. Now, Mo, do you remember what you were doing in 1982? Uh, probably shitting my diapers. Uh-huh. <laughs> is that what you were doing in 2017, right before we started recording? <laughs> uh Basket Case from 1982, Frank Henenlotter's first film, the one that brought him, uh, I would say, international acclaim, the one that launched his career, that would then brought us uh, such classics as Brain Damage and Frankenhooker, and, and of course, the sequels to Basket Case. On a date. <laughs> now, Mo, I have to ask you, now, uh, for listeners who don't know what Mo was just referring to, the Frankenhooker VHS tape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, had a, uh, a like a, a voice chip or a little chip in it that yeah, it had made... a button. You hit the button and it says "Want a date?" Yeah, it had a button on it that allowed it to say "Want a date," which I will say of all the VHS tapes that were in the horror section of my local video store, that one got a lot of play. <laughs> 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 Mo, do you remember the first time that you saw the film Basket Case? Uh, yeah, I do actually. I had. Um... As with most of my when did you first see it stories, uh, mm-hmm. the year was probably sometime in the, the mid to late 90s, um, and I had rented it from uh, the local video store that I am now banned from. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've told that story like six times on this show, <laughs> so I'm not going to repeat it again. But uh, Any episode could be someone's first episode. Yeah, well, they can go back and find the old one. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, and, I, and I found it in their cult section, uh, which was fairly legendary. Now it's kind of awful um, because they shun VHS. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, yeah, right. I, I watched it and thoroughly enjoyed it and, uh, probably went on to watch Frankenhooker next. Before you saw it, Mo, were you already aware of the reputation of Basket Case? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had heard of it, um, you know, just through, probably through talking to the, uh, the staff there. Right. Uh, and do you recall, um... Like, like at that point, how old about were you then, Mo? Uh, 
probably somewhere between 16, 18 ish. That's a good age to be introduced to Basket Case. You know, my yeah. understanding, Mo, is that the movie critic and uh, flamboyant personality Rex Reed went and saw Basket Case back in the early 80s, and he had some very not nice things to say about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was horrified by what he saw. He thought it was just the dirtiest, most vile movie ever. And I do have to say, Mo, Basket Case, there's some really weird stuff in it. It's uh, a, and, yeah, it's a pretty odd film. It's an odd movie. It's a little off the wall, a little wacky. But uh, even in the context of the early 80s, you know, it's not that extreme, I wouldn't say, would you? No. No, you know, it, it just, but it delivers the goods. Yeah, I mean, like... Like, I was about to say there's not much in the way of, like, any kind of, like, real nudity in it, although there is some hanging dong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, like, even the gore isn't particularly gruesome, you know? Like, you don't see a lot of the gore happening. You, you, you tend to see the after effect. Right. Uh, more, more often than not, the, the uh, like, any during any, like, attack scene, the most you see is, like, a gloved hand like attached to a face <laughs> and then it kind of like goes off screen and then you come back and see like the clawed up face afterwards yeah but you don't yeah it's nothing particularly gruesome and it does have a comedic edge to it this is obviously meant to be a darkly comedic horror film yeah uh, so that kind of you know it means that you're never taking it so seriously that you're feeling revolted and in fact i guess that's kind of a theme with a lot of frank hen and lauder movies and it, it actually makes kind of an interesting thematic uh, uh, more than a trilogy. Of course, there's the trilogy of Basket Case movies, but really all of his 80s movies kind of fit together into this kind of really kind of thematic uh, um, filmography with a lot of common themes. Yeah. Uh, Mo. Yeah. How are you doing today? <laughs> um, I uh, am struggling to stay awake because, uh-huh. because I took a sleep aid to help me uh, get to bed today, and uh, it hasn't quite worn off yet, so... <laughs> Classic Moporn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, uh, I have no caffeine in the house, so I have nothing to counteract it, so struggling here. I was thinking, Mo, when I was watching the movie Basket Case, which we're featuring today on No Budget Nightmares, uh-huh. uh, that the movie works as a piece of entertainment, but it also kind of works as a historical artifact because it has all that great footage of 42nd Street in New York City. Yeah, classic New York. And, you know, it. now, Mo, do you think when people have nostalgia for that version of New York that they're being fucking idiots, or do you think you can relate to that? Uh, I wish I could relate to it. I mean, I get it, I, like, I, to an extent, but, like, I, you know, by the time I would have even given a shit about New York, it was already into the 90s, and, like, uh, it had already started to uh, been disnified, so to speak. Um, so I, I've never been able to experience New York in that, in that terms, but I could understand why, like, you know, people like older than me, obviously would, uh, would give a shit about that era. There is something to be said about the, the part in this movie where our lead character, Dwayne is walking down 42nd street and it's just, you know, cinema after cinema showing stuff that we, of course, would love to go in and watch, and it's it was just thought of as this kind of you know bottom dollar junk entertainment. Yeah, there's that great moment at the beginning where uh, <laughs> where the guys uh, walking walking by him, you know, uh, trying to sell him literally every drug known to man. 
<laughs> so I, I took a, a screenshot and posted it up on my Facebook. And I'm like, why aren't there more helpful people like this in New Haven? You know? What's your favorite Frank Hennenlotter movie? Mo. A Basket Cases, actually. I mean, I love Frankenhooker, but Basket Cases is my favorite. Now, have you seen his documentary, That's Sexploitation? Oh, I'm dying to. I haven't yet. I, I, I really want to because it's, you know, it's so up my alley. It's not even funny. I just it haven't really, had a chance to. It really is. I, I've watched the first hour of it, uh, and it's – what's great about it is, A, that it's hosted by Frank Hennenlotter, uh, who, who has a very genial presence – but it's also great because it's got this huge, long interview section with David Friedman, the late David Friedman, who I know that you're a huge fan of. Um, and, and, you know, he really kind of traces the history of the sexploitation movie. And, that, and it really is, you know, especially since he's since passed away, it really is a kind of great thing to have on record. Right, exactly. And, yeah, yeah, Fried- Friedman uh, was a, like a personal hero of mine. You know, I loved the guy. <clears throat> God, I'm not choking up. I just had something in my throat, which is... Really poor timing there. Um, but yeah. I have a question that, for you, Mo. What? Is it piss? <laughs> uh, no, this time it's just phlegm, thank you. How about uh, a remake of Marathon Man? And instead of him asking, <laughs> is it safe? He asks, is it piss? Is it piss? <laughs> is it piss? All right, Mo. <clears throat> let's talk about the movie Basket Case from 1982. Because it has a very... Uh, I find a very entertaining opening. Wouldn't you say? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> because there's this guy, right? And he's leaving his ha- uh, house and he hears something in the bushes. And yeah, we pre- don't know what that thing is, Mo. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty classic, uh, you, know, I'll, I'll, you know, it's a bit of a trope now where... You, know, you got the the guy who hears something in the he hears noises and he doesn't know what it is and he doesn't know where it's coming from. You know, and we get the POV shot from the bushes itself. So sure, like, sure. Hey, there's something out there. Exactly. And it's gonna. You know, what I really love about this opening too is that you have the opening credits playing over it, but the uh, the credits themselves are bright red. Now, this is a movie is dedicated to Herschel Gordon Lewis, and I don't know if that's necessarily a tribute to have the red credits over it, but I think it's just kind of visually, you know. You really have to take into account that this movie was made for almost no money. Uh, and, and every little kind of interesting visual element is something that the filmmakers had to bring to the product, right? right. So, I mean, I, 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 it, to me, I really like the look of those credits. Um, and who is this gentleman, by the way, who's, who's so freaked out by the bushes? Uh, I can't remember his fucking name. Dr. Liplander yeah, or something along those lines. Sh- sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's one of the, the main... Uh, revenge victims in the film. I, and I, I got the other two names written down, but I never wrote that guy's name down for some reason. I love that all the, I love that all the, the uh, I mean, the character names in this movie are fucking amazing, but especially the doctors are amazing <laughs> <laughs> because they're all very reflective of their occupation. Right, exactly. So, so this guy, he's freaked out. So what does he do? You know what? He actually makes a pretty good decision. He runs back in the house, mm-hmm. and he locks the doors, and then he starts like locking all the windows and things, too, because I guess he's seen horror movies before, and he even does what you would want a character like this to do, because especially because he's in the United States of America. He, he <clears throat> opens a drawer and takes a gun out. Yeah. And uh, as I know from the media, you guys are armed. Yeah, we're uh, we're gun nuts here in in the U.S. of A. We uh, we love a good gun. 
Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, guns don't always help, Mo. And to demonstrate that, as soon as he grabs the gun, what happens? Uh, huh? <laughs> the lights go out. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, the, the yeah, power the lights line. go out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, all of the, the lines and everything is, is uh, snipped um, because uh, something has broken into the basement and uh, cut the power. Yeah, and that's something uh, that cuts the power. We don't know what that is yet, but we do know what Dr. Liplander's re- response to the lights going off are. It's a very, it's a has- very American response. <laughs> Let's hear it. Oh, God, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> Now, he is showing a little bit of fear, which is very understandable, because uh, he doesn't know what's going on. And in fact, he also does what any normal person would do in this situation. He starts shooting his gun into the darkness. He just fucking unloads until he's empty. Now, uh, he should have saved a single bullet for himself, because unfortunately, he leans back. Always a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And something grabs his face with a scary monster hand. Bum, bum, bum. There's this great edit here where, like, his the the hand grabs his face and then it kind of cuts, uh, so his face is all, then all slashed up, just like you said, Mo. A lot of the violence in this movie is kind of the after effects of violence. Yeah, and that leads to uh, well, that really is just the opening of the movie. That's just to, to kind of set the stage. Now, you and I, Mo, know what that creature was that grabbed that guy's face, but the audience, the rest of those people out there, they have no idea. Not a clue. Do you think, Mo, that you're supposed to be shocked at the discovery of what's in the basket, in basket case? Uh, I think the initial shock you are, I mean... Right. Because they do, they do spend an awful long time before they actually show you what's in there. I mean, it's, it's actually a pretty good reveal when they finally show it. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. And it, but it's also, it's funny because we're, we're watching this from the perspective of you know, 35 years of history. Um, and now everyone knows, you know, going in, especially with sequels and everything like that, because the movie has such a reputation. We all know going in what's in the basket, but the movie really does take its time getting to that point. Right. Now, this cuts then, Mo, to a guy carrying a basket. Hey, a basket. Whoa. Town, 40, town 42nd Street. And this is what I was talking about before. There's some. This is a pretty amazing thing. He's just walking down the street. Uh, now, who is this gentleman, Mo? With, uh, who's the guy with the basket? Who's the, gu- who's the guy with the basket? Well, this is Dwayne. Um, who? What's his last name? Bradley. Sure. I think it's Bradley. I just I, I in my notes I just wrote Dwayne. Uh, <laughs> in the film we have no idea. He he doesn't actually get a name until later. It is indeed Dwayne Bradley. Yeah. I was right. And w- you were absolutely right. And what's Dwayne doing here? Um, he is, uh, walking 42nd street. Uh, you know, he is, uh, being offered every drug known to man, uh, literally and, uh, and women, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, until he ultimately finds the hotel Broslin. Now he also does pass by a number of movie marquees, Mo. Any, any notable titles there? I'm sure there were. I honestly wasn't paying that much attention to them. Unfortunately, his head is usually blocking part of the marquee. He has very is, big hair. He has big hair. This Dwayne, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Brad, Bradley. Bradley. I do. I did see that Tiger from Hong Kong is playing a double feature of martial arts. 
movies playing. And instead of stopping to go check that out, he stops, as you mentioned, Mo, at the Hotel Broslin. Now, what what uh, what what do you think about this hotel, Mo? Is this the kind of place that you'd stay in? Uh, probably. Yeah. Is this the kind of place that you live? <laughs> super, super. Yeah, I don't know if I'd live there. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, twenty bucks a night. You know, you can get some good. That's that. That's that's good horror fucking uh, rates right there. And you can rent it by the hour if necessary. It seems exactly. So he goes in and he talks to the uh, proprietor, let's say, uh, and basically the, there's some drunk guys around. There's an Irish fella, and they're just uh, mocking him because he looks very naive and he's carrying a giant basket. But what's he looking for, Mo? He's looking for a room. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, as he's trying to get the room, they ask him the very, you know, reasonable question. What's in the basket? Clothes. He's smoking in a case of booze. He's going to throw us a party. Now, I don't know if that gentleman is actually Irish or not, but I'll tell you, not a very good Irish accent. Uh, no, I just assumed he was drunk. Yeah, and I guess the character is supposed to be a drunk, so that does work out. So like you said, Mo, it's $20 a day, uh, it's due at noon every day, and at this point, Dwayne pulls out a wad of cash, and everyone looks at it in awe, especially that filthy Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> hey, I'm mostly filthy Irish myself. Um, and uh, then he goes off, and the, <laughs> and the Irish guy goes, did you see that? He's loaded. And the proprietor says, so are you. So Dwayne, as he goes up to his uh, uh, hotel room, he meets Josephine, just briefly. She is, uh, I guess, the local color. She's kind of crazy. Uh, older woman who lives in the place. Yeah, she's uh, she just kind of talks his ear off as uh, as she leads him up to his room. Yeah, that's right. She tells him the story about the room, saying that's the best room in the place because it belonged to a little old lady. And honestly, this all feels kind of like filler at this point. Yeah, basically. I do like how the conversation ends, though. She literally tells the story and then just runs off. <laughs> it does also kind of feel like she was supposed to be part of the plot in a more significant way and she does show up later but she's really like nothing to the rest of the movie yeah exactly she's uh she's here for the moment and then she's just sort of in the background for for other scenes but there's no real other significant moment with her in the film life's like that people just pop in and out of our lives don't i know it so then, Dwayne, again, this is still him just walking towards his room. Then he does see a prostitute bringing a John into her room. Or at least it appears to be the case. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm jumping the gun on that. But uh, it's, uh, sh- the, the, the woman winks at him as she gets into her room. And she'll become important a little later in the movie. Casey. Casey. And Casey's one of my favorite parts of this movie, in fact. I, l- I like Casey. <laughs> What a weirdly lascivious way of saying that, Mo. <laughs> I was just saying I like the character, and she's kind of cute. <laughs> so, Dwayne goes into his room, room number seven, and when he goes into the room, we get a, like a, a slow kind of look around it, and then he locks the door. And there's some really great texture to this movie, because his room looks fucking filthy in exactly the right way. <laughs> Yeah, I almost wonder if there was, like, no need for any kind of, like, set dressing. It was just, like, they found a hotel room and, like, oh, this is gross. Yeah, I don't think they're building a lot of sets for this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, so he puts down the basket, um, and then he says to it, we're here. But why why would Dwayne talk to a basket, Mo? I think that's the question we're all wondering. 
At this point in the film, yes, we're all still wondering. <laughs> and then he goes downstairs and he asks the proprietor if there's a place around to get food. And that's kind of a dumb question. <laughs> he did just walk down the street. He must have passed 30 fucking pizza places. But Yeah, I was going to say, you're in fucking Times Square, you know, in New York. I mean, no matter what time era you're, you're in, there's still going to be 9 trillion places to eat. Stupid. Mo- Stupid Dwayne. Mo, what kind of pizza do you prefer, Chicago or New York? Oh, fuck off. Mm-hmm. Ch- Chicago's not pizza. It's pie? <laughs> yeah, it's fucking tomato casserole. <laughs> Mo has some strong opinions, so if you're a Chicago I, listener... You can fuck right off with your fucking fake pizza. That's what... That's wow. What, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Remember, ladies and gentlemen, Mo Porn says you can fuck... Fuck off with your fucking fake pizza. <laughs> you know? So Dwayne gets out. He uh, gets some food, brings it back, locks the door, and he pulls the basket over and unlocks it. And then he tosses a burger into it, Mo. What's he doing here? Uh, he is uh, feeding something. Feeding something. As he feeds it, it makes this kind of noise. Take your time. There's plenty. Frankly, the eating noises in this movie make me a little ill. Uh, honestly, that's very close to how I sound when I'm eating. All right, Mo, get yourself a pizza roll and let's listen to it here. <laughs> a pizza roll. What? <laughs> <laughs> Mo, you gotta chew. Um, so then he, uh, as as says, the eating is occurring, you. Dwayne <laughs> Dwayne pulls out a file folder which has a little bit of blood on it, which is disconcerting. He finds well, a name we, in it. Well, we've seen that from this from the beginning of the film. Yes, that's right. The doctor at the beginning had this file folder. Yeah, and so Dwayne finds a name in it and looks it up in the phone booth. A phone booth, phone book. Hey, remember Mo when you used to be able to look up people's names in the phone book? Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm not that young that I. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't remember phone books, but yeah, yeah. I. I remember the '90s. Yeah, like they still like give phone books to people here in the yellow pages and shit. We but- have a. We have a stack of them on the front porch of my house because I've been here for a few years, and the stack was already uh, there when when I moved in. So every <laughs> every. Every year, a new book gets added to the stack, and just nobody ever takes them or, or or disposes of them. It's it's getting to be kind of a joke at this point. I know that they still make them, Mo, because old people uh, rely on them to some extent. Maybe not the phone book, but certainly the yellow pages. But I, I just want to say, and I want to make myself very clear, fuck old people. What a waste <laughs> of goddamn paper. Learn to use a tablet. And uh, look, I understand... You don't have a lot of resources. We're all look in Trump's America. We're all just scraping by, but uh, you know, get a fucking smartphone. I'll give you an old one. <laughs> you, you can even steal my Wi-Fi if you want. And if you need a plumber, just look it up on the internet. That's what it's there for. Yeah, dummy. Yeah, dummy, dumb, dumb. <laughs> and it, you know what? Why even fix the fucking pipe? How many years do you have left? Really? You know, it's it's really funny. The way you said that, it's like, just look it up in the phone book. You know, that's what it's there for. He's out yeah. of, it was very Steve Brule-esque. <laughs> <laughs> it's just dreams. <laughs> for, your, for your pipes. 
<laughs> so he uh, looks up the name. Dwayne looks up the name in the phone book, uh, and then he just pours a bunch of fucking burgers into. The, I like how he was feeding uh, whatever's in the basket one at a time, and then he just pours the whole fucking thing of burgers. Yeah, doesn't even unwrap them. Just <laughs> here you go. And he says to push the plot along. Cutter's name isn't listed. Needleman must have the number. So yeah, so one of the fucking doctors is named Cutter, and the other one is Needleman. <laughs> uh, and then Dwayne uh, lays back. Great names. Lays back and eats a burger. Now, Mo, tell me about the performer who plays Dwayne. Oh, is this your way of getting me to pronounce his name? <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I legitimately have no idea how to pronounce. Uh, I know his first name's Kevin. It's Kevin Von whatever, but Von Van. I would go Van Van. <laughs> Kevin uh, Van Hentenrick, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's actually accurate. Um, which is sad because I've met the guy. Um, but what was he like, Mo, uh, when you met him? He was super nice. He was like one of the he was one of the nicest uh, actors I've I've met at a con. He was he was super nice. He was. Uh, 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 very like he seemed very grateful that people gave a shit about this movie that he was in or this series of movies that he was in. Um, you know, and he he signed my uh my picture. Uh, pretty pretty funny. He's, he he wrote uh you know to Mo signed his name and he says open the basket slowly. I don't like that's he, fucking fucking brilliant. What did you think of his performance in this movie? <clears throat> It's 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 serviceable. It's I mean it's not it's it's not terrible at all. It's I I think it's uh, you know I mean as far as like carrying the film is concerned, he does a perfectly adequate job. Yeah, I think it helps that he's playing sort of a wide-eyed innocent to some right respect, exactly. To some, yeah, and I think he really kind of captures that. I'm not sure if you were to stretch his dramatic range that he'd necessarily be able to pull it off. Um, but you know, and hey, got to give the guy credit. He does run down the street naked in this movie. Yeah. He uh, has not done a lot of acting since uh, outside of Frank Hanna-Lotter movies, especially Basket Case 2 and 3, but he does, Mo, have a very notable cameo in Brain Damage. Mm. It's been so long since I've seen Brain Damage. I, I honestly, I can't even remember. Oh, Mo, you yeah. poor fool. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I, I know. It's, it's bad. I, I think it's been, I think it's been at least 15 or more years since I've seen Brain Damage. There's a part in Brain Damage where the main character is sitting on a subway, and across from him sits down uh, Dwayne from Basket Case with the basket in his lap. Ah. Uh, putting it all into the Hen and Lotter verse that we've all been desiring. <laughs> 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 Let, let's do that. Let's do that as a series of remakes. That's what I think. Oh, God, no. Do you think they're going to remake Basket Case Mo Porn? I hope not. They probably will, though, huh? Yeah, maybe. Maybe Eli Roth will do it. Oh, God. So later, <laughs> the, later in the evening, the basket is open, and Dwayne sits up, and uh, he, he seems to be talking to nobody at all. He's just saying, are you going to pace around all night? And he just kind of complains that he doesn't want to talk right now. But it's weird, Mo, because no one seems to be talking. Right, exactly. He's just sort of like staring at the floor and talking to himself, seemingly. Is Dwayne crazy, Mo? Um, well, I mean, a little bit, yeah, but I guess we'll. Particular... I guess we'll just have to see. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say at some point we'll discover the true, you know, levels of that. But uh, for now, no, he's just talking to the floor. Now, Mo, we get a helicopter shot 
of the uh, of the kind of skyline of New York City. New York City. New York City. And what's notable about this skyline shot, Mo? <laughs> well, this is definitely very pre nine eleven. How do you mean? Well, there's still the twin towers. Right. Yeah, you can see Tower Seven, the one that Bush uh, blew up, uh, and the. With his control, did, did you see the one that Bush blew up? Yeah, him and his cronies. Oh my god! Let me tell you something about jet fuel, Mo. Uh, it's gonna. <laughs> <shock you. laughs> let me let me guess. Let me guess. It doesn't melt steel. What? It doesn't. <laughs> this changes everything. <laughs> uh. So so yeah, we do see the twin towers briefly, and then back at the hotel, we get a POV shot going through the hall. Um, and uh, what we find is that the drunk, the drunk Irishman from downstairs is sneaking around and looking through Dwayne's keyhole. Remember keyholes, Mo? Yeah, I, uh, I have a movie that reminds me that they're for peeping. Uh, what's that movie then? It's called Keyholes Are For Peeping. <laughs> but uh, he's Star- caught- Starring the great Sammy Petrillo. <laughs> he is caught by Casey, the prostitute who lives next door to Dwayne. And uh, and he kind of tries to explain himself away by just talking about how much money Dwayne has. Like he's like he's got so much money, uh, and she tells him to take off. Yep, she's a hooker with the heart of gold, Mo. It's a classic trope, really. It is a classic trope, but she's a pretty neat lady. I like this Casey. I like her a lot. <laughs> I like her a lot. <laughs> I like her a lot. So she knocks on Dwayne's door. And uh, he answers, and she has this to say to him. Hi, I live across the hall, and well, the reason I'm bothering you is, now, I don't want you to think I go around buttoning people's business, but somebody's been snooping around your door, you know, peeking through the keyhole and shit. <laughs> so if you got anything of value in there, like money or something, I wouldn't leave it laying around. <laughs> I like that, Casey. I like her a lot. She's got a moral center. Uh, anyway, she's, he tells her that he's from I upstate. Lo- I like her moral center. What, what? Huh? What? 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 Uh, so she says that they should go for a drink sometime. And that, Mo, brings me to an interesting central kind of plot thing of this movie, which is that women seem to like Dwayne. Well, you know, he's very innocent. And uh, yes. he has and he has he has natural uh, head cushioning mm-hmm. um, <laughs> from that massive hair he has. Now, when you met the gentleman in question, Mo, how was his hair then? Uh, it was uh, much more subdued. Mm, that's a yeah. shame. <laughs> I don't like to think about that at all. Yeah. So, so Dwayne goes back. He has a bunch of <laughs> he has a bunch of maps out in his apartment, uh, and he uh, he locks the basket and says that he has to take a trip to a doctor friend of theirs. And then he goes with the basket to H. Needleman, M.D., the doctor's office. Doctor Nosmo King. So he goes up there, but before we actually see him enter the office, we get treated to a waiting room scene where a woman is complaining that she was prescribed the wrong drug. Yes. Uh, and she's talking to the receptionist. Now, Mo, what's this re- What's this receptionist's name? Oh, God, what is her name? I never wrote it down. Um, well, I, I don't know if... She- it, I, that might be the case. I don't think she's ever actually introduced by say, name in the she, entire movie. Yeah, I was going to say, is she? What do I, you have her written down as? I don't. She's a pretty important character, Mo. Yeah, it doesn't mean I wrote it down. Yeah, but you must know. I don't mean that. I mean, when you're referring to her in your notes, how do you refer to her? 
uh, the receptionist. <laughs> uh, is she good? <laughs> is she Sharon? Is that Sharon? I don't know. I, there's got to be a character named Sharon. Maybe she's Sharon. Yes, there's a woman complaining about the prescriptions that she's received in this way in uh, this doctor's office, and uh, she's kind of complaining to the receptionist who sort of cares. But then Dwayne enters, and she thinks he's there to repair her typewriter. Right, because she has because he has a big basket, which she's, yes, for some reason is confusing for a toolbox. And she she does a very interesting thing where she talks about the sounds that the typewriter has been making. And this is what she says. Yesterday it was squeaking, like if a mouse was caught inside. Real high-pitched, like... (laughs) I don't know anything about typewriters. I just want to see the doctor. (laughs) He just goes, I don't know anything about typewriters. It does seem rather presumptuous. I mean, we've seen this trope in a thousand movies where someone comes in and it's like, oh, yes, thankfully you're here, blah, 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 blah. And then the person's like, no, I just want to see whoever, right? right. Um, but, uh, but, but hey, it happens again here. Um, I did not expect the first time I saw this movie for this to be a love connection. Right, exactly. It's a little uh, off. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my uh, my crack research skills uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh, have deduced that her name is, in fact, Sharon. And I don't believe they actually say that once in the film. But <laughs> uh, I figured it out. Sharon is her name. Sharon. So Sharon and Dwayne hit it off. He tells her that he had, does not have an appointment. Uh, but because there's no other people waiting, she says that, well, she'll basically just say that he does have an appointment. And... <laughs> Maybe going a little too far, uh, instead of giving his real name, he gives a fake one because he says that he's an old friend of the doctor's and he wants to surprise him. Well, I love that his idea of giving a fake name is just like, well, what's your real name? Oh, it's Dwayne Bradley. Oh, but don't put that. Put uh, Dwayne Smith. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> you he, know. he doesn't seem like the most imaginative dude in the fucking world. <laughs> put uh, John Jones. <laughs> so, the MMA fighter? Uh, so I then. Don't know. Whatever. <laughs> So he, she does kind of chat with him for a second, and she seems very upset at the fact that he hasn't seen the sights in New York City. Uh, and then she volunteers as a tour guide for him. And Mo, that's she's hitting on him. Yes. Has ever that ever happened to you? Where a uh, <laughs> no a secretary uh, don't even don't even finish it. The answer is no. <laughs> if it's if it's not a if it's not a sad old gay man at four o'clock in the morning, then no, I've never been hit on. <laughs> so Dwayne goes in to see Dr. Needleman Who is eating very messily as Dwayne comes in In fact, Dr. Needleman seems like he may be a, a poor doctor Well, he's a poor excuse for a doctor Hey-o hey uh, Dwayne tells him, because he does not recognize Dwayne Dwayne says that he has a pain in his chest The doctor tells him to take off his shirt And step into his uh, like little... Uh, Op, not operating room, like a checkout room or whatever. Uh, he uh, sits down. It's it's a really filthy looking office, by the way. There's shit everywhere in this doctor's office. Yeah, uh, it's pretty bad. So Dwayne takes off his shirt, and we first now we can kind of get to the bottom of this mystery. He has a nasty scar running down the side of his body. Yep. And it just fades out. We don't really know what happens here. We just see Dwayne leaving, and he tells the receptionist that the doctor and him had just talked. And then uh, she asks if he was surprised, and he says... Was he surprised? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very. 
and if you didn't know better, you would have thought that Dwayne killed the fucking doctor. Yeah, you would have thought that the guy died. But uh, as we'll discover pretty soon, that's not the case. And then the receptionist, who had already been laying it on pretty heavy, she lays it on super heavy and says, you know, basically, go out with me. My name is, what's her name again? Barbara? <laughs> yes, Barbara. No, Sharon. Yeah, Sharon. Sharon wants to go out. Uh, isn't Sharon your mother's name, Mo? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to uh, think <laughs> about that. Too much. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Do you want her address? Do, should I put that on the show? <laughs> so uh, Sharon um, asks him out. He says that he can't while looking kind of suspiciously at the basket. But then he <laughs> he puts the basket a little bit away and then he runs back and he gets her number. Uh, and she even says, I don't want him to hear. And uh, <laughs> she like screams, who, the doctor? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but that's not who he's referring to. But we don't know who he's referring no. to yet, but we'll know soon enough. Then it cuts uh, briefly to the doctor who's kind of tapping a pen on his desk. Hey, he's still alive. He does seem very nervous, though. He checks his message and he finds one from Dr. Lifflander from the beginning. And it was marked urgent. He tries calling him, but there's no answer. And we know why that is, Mo. Because he's dead. He's fucking dead. He's dead. Fucking dead. And then it goes to <laughs> Dwayne watching a kung fu movie in a cinema. Basically my dream thing to be doing at any particular time. Uh, In nineteen early 1980s New York, watching well, a be- kung fu film. I bet those seats smell pretty Street. great. I bet that they're not at all coated in... Nine different types of bodily fluids. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so what is the movie that he's watching, Mo? In- important question. Uh, that's a question for you, my friend. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the one who, who, who can identify that shit. I'm hesitant to mention to you right now, Mo, that it's it's actually listed in the closing credits. <laughs> yeah, well, you also know that I don't go, I don't sit through closing credits. <laughs> I know it, I know <laughs> I'll let you out the hook just this once. Uh, oh. The movie is The Bodyguard with Sonny Chiba, also known as Karate Kibe. I do like Sonny Chiba. Sonny Chiba. Chiba. Viva. Chiba. That sort of thing. In fact, I think that actually is from the trailer for that very movie. Uh, so while he's watching this movie, watching Sonny Chiba, the man, on screen, somehow Dwayne starts to fall asleep like a fucking asshole. <laughs> you mean like me right now because I stupidly took medication and yeah. it hasn't worn off and I'm dying yeah. here. Yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a guy watching Dwayne as he starts to fall asleep. And uh, Dwayne, he kind of drifts off and he wakes up suddenly and he finds his basket is missing. And that's not a good thing because he really seems to like that basket. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very important basket to him. It's got a lot of sentimental value to him. And the guy who steals it doesn't seem to go very far with it. He just runs to the bathroom, and he kicks off the lock, and then he... What does he do, Mo? He dies. Well, no, well... <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I don't know if he dies, actually, or not. But, in fact, I don't think he does. But he does open the basket. Oh, right, he doesn't. Yeah, he opens up the basket, and uh, uh, shit gets real. Yeah, he makes this sound. Ah! 
classic scream as he runs out of the bathroom holding his face. <laughs> and Dwayne goes in and he, he tells the basket, not yet. You should save it. Yeah, save it for later. Uh, so later, we see a guy cleaning an elevator. <laughs> I don't know why I mentioned that. But Dwayne comes into this building and he walks up the stairs. Um, he... Um, we actually then go back to Dr. Needleman for a second, who's trying to call Lifflander. He checks his Rolodex, and he finds the number for Dr. J. Cutter. Who's Dr. Cutter, Mo? Uh, Dr. Cutter is the third of the doctors who uh, Dwayne is, quote-unquote, dealing with. Dealing with, that's right. We don't know why yet, but we will soon enough. But mm-hmm. what's nint- what's interesting, Mo, about Dr. Cutter? Uh, well, when he calls, she is on a date. She's on a date because she's a she. That's what I was trying to get at. It's oh, a lady. Uh, see, see, I don't see gender, so uh, <laughs> it, makes fact, it, it makes it very hard for dating. That's, well, that's fair enough. Though it must make your job a little more interesting. Uh, um, <laughs> so she's having dinner with a younger man, it appears, and uh, she's uh, quite openly flirting with him. By him saying, that was delicious. And she says, so are you. Mo, has that ever happened to you? Um, uh, Not at work, no. <laughs> well, she goes on to have this uh, little piece of conversing. That's all right. I like you drunk. You're cute when you slobber. Now, I'm sure someone has said that to you. <laughs> yeah, that, that on the other hand. <laughs> See, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't go, I can't go finish a shift at my job without getting sloppy drunk. So, you know. <laughs> so she, uh, she then gets a phone call and it's a call from, from who? From Needle Dick. From Needleman. Um, <laughs> And she, she, he's basically telling her that Dwayne came in to see him today, and obviously they have some sort of shared history. Uh, Cutter tells him that neither of them have heard of Lifflander or have been to Glens Falls, which, by the way, is where all the shit went down. She hangs up, goes back to dinner, because one thing about Cutter as a character is she's a lot more confident than the other guys. Yeah, absolutely. Especially that dead guy. <laughs> Shooting in the dark. Well, death can, you can lose, you lose a lot of confidence in death. So a little bit later, the receptionist, uh, Sharon, is leaving the office, and uh, the doctor tells her to lock up as she goes. Uh, he listens to her leave, and then he locks the and lock the door. Uh, she actually passes a sign on a door that says, Novelties in Rubber, Mo. What do you think is being made in a, <laughs> I don't know, I guess an office space that's making novelties in rubber? Uh, I would imagine a whole variety of things that would get sold at um, a particular shop that I happen to work at. Oh, okay. Could also be like uh, Groucho Marx classes. It could be, but it's probably (laughs) cock-related. All right. (laughs) What isn't these days? Um, So she she gets in the elevator and leaves. And as she does, Dwayne opens the door. Uh, and he opens the basket and drops the contents on the floor, and he says, don't forget the address book. Mm-hmm. So this is our real first connection to what's going on. We get a POV shot of something approaching the door, it's just like the POV shot at the very beginning. I think Dwayne is up to some uh, 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 unpleasant business, Mo. Nefarious. Nefarious. That's right. So anyway, this point of view, you, whatever came out of the basket, it... Fucking knocks the door off its hinges. I I love that. It's um, like just how ridiculously strong 
uh, well, for now, we'll just say the creature, whatever. (laughs) You don't have to say that for long, Mo. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Thank goodness. Um, Yeah, but, like, just the fact that it basically just grabs the knob and, like, that's enough to (laughs) literally pull the door off of its hinges. It's fucking great. So the doctor is obviously very concerned about the, the door being knocked off its hinges, and he starts to run around trying to hide. Uh, and as he's uh, – he goes into like an office room – his office, I should say, and he pushes like the desk across the door, and uh, he notices that the light has been turned off in his examining room. Mm. So he goes towards it, and he turns on the light. Mo, and what happens? We finally get a full shot of – the basket creature. The basket creature, just like the title of the movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, basket creature. <laughs> thank, th- th- thank goodness they uh, he didn't name it that. Um, no, can, can we just finally start using the fucking thing's name? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, so we got a full shot of Belial, the brother. Um, who? Spoiler alert! It's Dwayne's brother. Yeah, it's his uh, brother. I, I, but if you're thinking he just looks like a human being, like a brother, like my brother, uh, no, it's not that at all, Mo. Nope, he's uh, just a couple of arms on a lump of fleshy-looking latex. Uh, he, it's it's actually kind of a cool-looking puppet. Um, he he kind of looks a little bit like one of those uh, those Boglins. Oh God, Mo! I was just about to say he looks like a Boglin. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he does look kind of like a Boglin, and if you if you know what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, then you then can congratulations, <laughs> and you're old as fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're old as fuck, like Mo and myself. <laughs> so somehow, uh, Belial can get around, <laughs> despite not really having a lower half of his body, um, but uh, he grabs the doctor and slices up his face, um, and we get to see Belial, what he mostly does is just scream in a really unpleasant manner, and we get close-ups <laughs> of his fucking ridiculous it's really <laughs> <fun>. yeah <laughs> so uh then uh belial grabs the doctor's stomach and blood goes everywhere as he screams and uh we see kind of the aftermath of a severed leg laying next to the the doctor's body as the um as belial well, it's, a, it, it's a great shot because when it starts you think that there are two victims right because you can only see the top part of of uh, of the doctor, but then you see a set of legs at his head, and, and then it sort of pans that direction, and you realize that no, 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 that's the doctor's legs. That's the doctor's legs. <laughs> he literally, it, literally tears him in half. It might be the goriest if you think about it that way. A part yeah. of the entire movie. Um, and what we see then is Dwayne has been waiting outside. Uh, he talks to Belial, who gives him the address book. And a cutter is indeed listed in it, so it all worked out for them. The plan pretty much went off without a hitch. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, how is Belial um, brought to life in the uh, using movie magic in this movie, Mo? Uh, through the brilliant stop motion. Sometimes a little stop motion. Yeah. Sometimes. Some, some sometimes puppetry. it's a yeah. Sometimes it's a glove. Sometimes it's puppet. Sometimes it's stop motion. I have to say, I love the stop motion in this movie. I love I, it I so do. much. I do too. It's it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> There's a part coming up, man, and like really soon, and I love it. Like, wait a minute, we'll talk about it in just a second. <laughs> the next day, Dwayne arrives home to his uh, home. I should say his hotel room with a large box. 
He opens up a package of hot dogs and drops it into the basket, <laughs> and we hear gross noises in really just an amazing moment. Um, and he's acting a little funny, and we can recognize it as the viewers. He said he's going to case Dr. Cutter's apartment today, but he doesn't think that Belial should go with him, so he brought him a little surprise. What did he bring him? Mo. Brings him a TV. The old idiot box, I like to call it. I don't, I would never have one in my home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. What's great is he sets it up. Like Dwayne just wants to get the fuck out of there, so he sets up the television, uh, turns on to nothing but static, and then just leaves. Yeah. And we uh, do. Uh, I do. I do like the. I do like the fact. It's like ah, if you get bored with that, I also brought a magazine. You know, <laughs> or I brought the. I brought the paper. Yeah. So a hand, like the monster hand, comes out of the basket, tries to turn the knob to change the channel, and it just twists entirely off immediately. (laughs) He's too damn strong. And the reason that Dwayne was being a little bit uh, standoffish or a little strange in that scene is because he wants to go to his date with Sharon. Indeed. I love the fact that she's she's wearing the exact same outfit she was wearing yesterday. (laughs) Hey, man. Outfits cost money. That's that is the outfit that he fell in love with. <laughs> <laughs> and then they yep. go mo to the Statue of Liberty. Well, yeah, I mean you're in New York, you got to see the sights. That's right. Bring me your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Yearning to piss on our president. Yeah, remember when you guys allowed immigrants into your country? <laughs> um yeah. That was like back back in the eighties, right? <laughs> the eighteen eighties. Yeah. <laughs> I saw gangs in New York. I know how this works. So we see the Statue of Liberty because Dwayne has been visiting it with Sharon. She's been showing him the sights, uh, but then she admits to him that actually no. What he the first thing is he's it, she's exhausted, and he admits to her that he didn't really want to see the sights at all. He just wanted to spend time with her. Just wanted to touch them boobies. And then uh, she reveals that that was her plan too. They were both lying to each other. It's so adorable. It's 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 kismet, really. And she says this to him uh, with with no little amount of irony. I know an awful lot of guys, Dwayne, but you're <coughs> different. Don't they have girls upstate? Well, I keep pretty much to myself. <laughs> She says that he's a dying breed, and she kisses his cheek, but then he uh, he skips over to second base and kisses her lips. Is, is that second base? <laughs> oh, I... That's Newfoundland second base. Third oh, okay. base is Cunnilingus. <laughs> it's kissing her other lips. There you go. <laughs> so when he kisses her, we immediately go back uh, to the apartment and the creature... Belial bursts from the basket, screaming, tossing the TV on the floor, and then throws a lamp at it. <laughs> this, this, this is this frankly, is legit. This is legitimately the hardest scene in the film to watch because it's like five straight minutes of Belial screaming, and his scream is hard. It's awful. I mean, it's supposed oh, to be, but it's fucking yeah. awful. <laughs> it's it's very hard to listen to. But it's also fucking amazing because Belial Absolutely. is going to throw a little tantrum here, is how I would put it. Uh, yeah. He just, 
He just starts screaming like a fucking maniac and breaking everything in the room and throwing papers around. <laughs> there's a there's a great moment where Belial's sitting on the floor with the bed and he's just slamming the edge of the bed into the ground. That part it's, is is brought to life using the magic of stop motion, and I loved it so much that I turned it into an animated gif <laughs> of him just slamming the fucking bed up and down. <laughs> It's it's probably my favorite moment in this entire freak out is him just doom, 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 doom. Well, surprisingly, all of this noise brings a little bit a little attention to the apartment. Um and the and like there's like, like a crowd of people start to surround the outside. This is the, the nosiest fucking group of people in the on the face of the planet. Like not even this floor, like Apparently, like several floors worth of people all yeah. surround, <laughs> and like so they- and like no, like the thing you notice about about this hotel is that anytime a door opens in this place, like everybody just files in. Yes, <laughs> they all want to have a look. So yeah, they all want to see. That happens right here. So the manager bursts into the the room to find out what the fuck is going on, but it's empty. It's well, yeah, trashed room. Exactly, because Belial gets himself back into the basket before they get into the room. Yeah, and um, the manager, by the way, knows that Dwayne wasn't the one who did this because he saw him leave earlier. Yeah. So the Irish fella, he also is in the room with the manager, and he spies on the floor the big roll of money. I like I like how we struggled so hard to think of Sharon's name, but we have O'Donovan's name and haven't used it once. <laughs> Mr. O'Donovan, you say? What you got there, then? A little uh, g- g- big old uh, pile of money over there, do you have? <laughs> exactly. When Mr. O'Donovan does go into the room and he sees the pile of money, uh, and then the manager clears everybody out of the room, because they really should not have been in there in the first place, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, they're all heading downstairs, and Mr. O'Donovan... Uh, says that he's not going to uh, go downstairs. He's going to go back to his room to lay down, but uh, that's not what he's doing at all, Mo. Lies. That's right. He's lying because he wants everyone to go away, so then he can go right back to the room and get those big dollars. <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins. Yeah? I Yeah. You like that money, boy? <laughs> So yeah, he goes in and he tries to, uh, he goes into the room, no problem at all. He picks the lock, actually. um, And he grabs the pile of cash off the floor and he starts to count it. And you know what? O'Donovan would have gotten away with his crime. If he had just left. If he had just left. But then he starts looking through the drawers. I guess he's like, the guy's got this much cash. Maybe there's some other valuables I can steal. Scumbag. Got a question for you, Moat? Yeah. You are in an apartment building. And a big commotion happens in your apartment while you're out. The manager opens the door and lets a bunch of the people in the apartment building in, but then leaves. And then you come back to find that you're missing a huge roll of money. Who's responsible? Um, well, see, this is so far outside of the <laughs> realm of reality for me that I don't even know if I can answer that question. Well, I mean, obviously, the person who opened the door would be responsible. 
you would think. But you then know. the manager also, I guess, would have been responsible to open the door in the first place to make sure something awful wasn't happening. Inside. Ah, true. But he also would have been responsible to keep everybody else the fuck out. Ah, well, there you go. I guess. So what I'm trying to say is, Dwayne, you could have owned this place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, this uh, greedy old drunk, he starts poking around. And then he sees the basket. And I guess, you know, curiosity, as it often does, it got the better of him. And he opens the basket. And what happens, Mo? Curiosity killed the drunk. Boom! Uh, Yes, Belial (laughs) attacks him. And while he attacks him, we cut to Dwayne, who seems to be having some sort of weird psychic episode. Yeah, exactly. We already had the the psychic episode of Belial when Dwayne was... Uh, kissing Sharon. Now we get it the opposite way around where Dwayne is feeling it while Belial kills O'Donovan. And of course, all this screaming coming from the room, it gets all those nosy neighbors out again. They're very curious about what's going on. So the manager comes back upstairs, bursts into the room, and he finds O'Donovan dead on the floor with the window open. I gotta say, that uh, that hotel manager is is a pretty spry dude for, for, pretty for spry. a big, big guy. Like, yeah. he bounds up those stairs several times. <laughs> now, <laughs> could be days apart. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know. So, Dwayne then... I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even be able to do it once, so, like, I'm impressed. Well, when Dwayne had his little psychic episode, he immediately started running home because he realized something was wrong. He, he arrives home, and the manager says, Someone killed Donovan! And all I could think of was the song Hurdy Gurdy Man. <laughs> All right. Or Sunshine Superman. Wow. Season of the Witch. The classics I, uh, from the folk singer Donovan. Yeah, I I didn't think of any of those. He yells at Sharon and tells her to get away. He says that he doesn't want her to get hurt. Then he runs upstairs to his apartment, passing a cop on the way who's taking some statements. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> as he approaches his door, the cop approaches him and asks him, how long he was out, and if he has pets, which is a very reasonable question, by the way. But uh, but he says, uh, no, he doesn't have pets, Mo. Yes. Yes. So then they uh, go inside the apartment. Uh, the- I feel like we're <laughs> skipping a, uh audio clip here. No, no, we're going to it right now. Okay. No, no, we go inside the apartment, and the cop comes with him and continues to ask him questions. Uh, and uh, this was his response to one of them. Any idea who it was? No, I, I don't know. I was out. What happened? That was an accident. It happened last night. We went out for burgers and... We? No. Me. Just me. <laughs> you know, considering that Dwayne has apparently been doing this his entire life, he's very bad at keeping the fact that he has his fucking twin brother or i guess brother at the very least well i guess it would be twin they were yeah. still both delivered at the same time his twin brother in a basket uh he he very almost gives it away to that cop very very easily <laughs> i like how he goes to like caveman speak for a second there it's like oh we no me me went burger <laughs> the cop even asks what's in the basket and he says nothing <laughs> and that's by the way well that's the be- that well, that's that's a great one too because like they open the basket and there's nothing in there, so he's like, yeah. it's it's like that shocked uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing. That's that's exactly right. Yeah. So they leave, 
And Dwayne heads for the window because he thinks that Belial has gone outside. But as he does, a hand opens up the toilet seat, and uh, which is pretty clever, actually. Mm. <laughs> From inside the toilet, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Belial accuses him of being with a girl and lying to him. And when I say that he accuses him, now Belial cannot speak like you and I speak, Mo. Right. He uses his psychic powers to connect with his twin brother and basically accuse him of being with a girl and lying. And um, and and uh, Dwayne says that he was worried that he was going to get mad. They basically have a little uh, brotherly uh, uh, argument. They have a little tiff. A little telepathic tiff, I would say. You ever a wonder if, um, if that scene of Belial coming out of the toilet uh, had any influence on the... Um, uh, oh God! What's what was that series? Street Trash? Uh, no, 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 no. The um, oh, why can I not fucking uh, Ghoulies? The Ghoulies movies. Ghoulies. Yeah, they'll get you in the end. They yeah, exactly. And it's a <laughs> little monster in a toilet. Maybe though. I yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe, maybe Mo. So later on, <clears throat> they, they go to college in the third one. They do Ghoulies go to college. <laughs> In the epic trilogy. Um, later, Casey is in a bar. Remember Casey, the prostitute? Of course I remember. Looking She's in a bar in having a... My notes here say Casey looking good in her disco clothes. <laughs> She's showing a few people a good time. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne is there drinking to excess with the basket next to him. In fact, I would say, Mo, that he's drunk. He is drunk. My favorite thing about this is Casey says to him, you're not still upset about this afternoon, are you? And, like, someone was killed in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's worth being concerned about. A little bit. Well, Casey asks him to bring the basket and join her at the back table. She's got some boozing to do. It's well, a dream woman, I would say. Yeah, she's uh, she's got it all, that Casey, I tell you. <laughs> so it, then it cuts to a little bit later, and they're laughing together. Dwayne is fucked up. Uh, he tells her that he used to be a letter sorter in Glens Falls. Now, Mo, have you ever been to Glens Falls? No. It's upstate. No, I've never been there. Is it a real place? I have no no clue. Well, well, that's the kind of research we probably should have done. <laughs> 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 and uh, then she uh, asks the, the question that pretty much everyone in the movie asks. <laughs> There's something else I've been dying to ask you. <laughs> What's in the basket? My brother. Your brother! (laughs) (laughs) So he basically, in his drunken state, gives up everything. He says that they're Siamese twins. And then he says that Belial looks like a squash octopus, which is pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate, actually, yeah. Uh, And then uh, we get basically a flashback to everything that led up to... Him having to carry his brother around in a basket. I lo- Casey's response to all of this, like obviously, like we, you know, when she when he says it's my brother, they're laughing. But as he tells the story, she's getting more and more creeped out. It's pretty fucking great. Yeah, he goes, he can, I can hear him whispering in my brain, and she's like, huh, <laughs> huh. <laughs> so he passes out. We get a flashback to a very dramatic actor playing Dwayne's father, who's very upset, very stagey upset. That his wife has died during childbirth, um, and he, uh, we see his his aunt talking to a social worker. This is later uh, about uh, how that she's been tutoring 
the children. the The social worker seems very skeptical about uh, about about it until she is introduced to a young Dwayne and sees Belial hanging off his side. It's pretty shocking. It is a pretty disturbing effect, to be honest. Just it's a it's a it, really good visual, yeah. <laughs> really good in its badness. Well, yeah, and, I mean, it's... and when I say bad, I don't mean poorly done. I mean it's it's bad, like good, like the kids say today. <laughs> yeah. So we, we it's established very quickly. The father hates the fact that these kids are well that his son has this fucking thing attached to him. Right, and uh, that's that's part of the story that he tells Casey too. He t- he says you know like that that the aunt raised them and that like she's always been there for him and that the dad never really cared and blah blah. Right, and that's super important because while the aunt is away one night, the father decides that he's going to separate the boys. And when I say the boys, he believes that Dwayne is his son and Belial basically is like a monster that needs to fucking die. Mm-hmm. He even says, all I want is for Dwayne to be normal. Mo, what is normal in this crazy age we live in? Oh, who the fuck knows anymore? Getting pissed on, probably. <laughs> well, it's better than getting pissed off. Wait, no, the other way around. So they rip Dwayne from his bed and bring him into an operating room, and the operating room isn't an operating room. It's a kitchen table that they've set up as an operating room. Yeah, I don't think that was like 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 a budgetary joke. I think no, no, that, no, that's yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be in his house. Right? Yeah, they've it's just supposed set up a, to be uh, yeah. taking place there. Yeah. So they, uh, we get a, a lengthy scene where they uh, operate. It's pretty on... gruesome. It is pretty pretty gruesome. It reminded me of the alien autopsy video from the late nineties. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about a dated fucking reference? Um, yeah, you, uh, you, uh, you know, my sister thought that was real. By the way, well, apparently some Americans did. <laughs> yeah, Americans are stupid. So they inject uh, Belial with uh, with something to knock him out, and eventually does. And there's some really horrible, unpleasant sound effects as they cut him off uh, Dwayne's body. But I do have to say, they do a pretty clean job, all things considered. Yeah, well, you know, they, <laughs> they go, oh, it's going to leave a nasty scar. It does leave a nasty scar, but when Dwayne's uh, yeah, wearing a shirt... Yeah, we get to see. Yeah, when, when Dwayne's wearing a shirt, you could hardly know that he had a weird Siamese twin growing off his side. <laughs> that he has a yeah. telepathic relationship with. Yeah, you figure maybe he just had like a big carbuncle or something. I don't know. So anyway, this was obviously a very disturbing thing that occurred and happened to Dwayne. Dwayne wakes up later in bed uh, with a bandage around himself and with Belial missing. But Belial is able to contact him telepathically. And he says, I'm coming. Uh, <laughs> and he runs outside to find him. And Belial... Is in a garbage bag outside, which is actually really kind of sad and disturbing. Yeah. Gross. Do you think, Mo, that there is supposed to be a commentary about abortion in the movie Basket Case? No. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't get that. I, I just, you know, I, I got it as more of a, uh, a father's uh, demented idea of what normal is. Right. And also, you know. any commentary that might have been made is balanced by the fact that Belial is a fucking terrifying monster and should die. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> really, I can kind of see the father's side in this whole thing. Because, you know, Dwayne is miserable because he has to carry around his brother in a fucking basket all day. Yeah. So, speaking of his father, Dwayne's father awakens to the sound of hammering and sighing from his basement. This is actually one of my favorite moments in the entire film. <laughs> this is outstanding. So he goes down to his basement 
to see what all the kerfuffle is about. And what does he see, Mo? Well, very briefly, he gets a glimpse at a uh, giant flabtraption, um, which consists of various pointed objects and a <laughs> and a giant saw blade, which, of course, begins to rotate. Uh, I, I got to give uh, Belial and Dwayne credit here for uh, creating this device, seeing as they're... <laughs> 12. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, uh, the, the dad gets, uh, a, a good look at it for about a second before it launches at him and proceeds to chop him in half. Now we don't really see him cut in half. All we see is his No, legs. no, we just see the legs and the legs fall sideways in Which is perfect, directions. really. It's actually it's really well done. such an effective, it's such an effective, well, effect. And then we cut to, um the aunt coming up to the attic where apparently uh, uh, Belial and um, Belial, sorry, and, and Dwayne are hiding. And she comes up and basically reassures them that they're okay, that she, that they, um, that they think that Belial is dead and she's going to take care of the both of them. Yeah. The aunt's actually uh very cool. She's a cool hip lady. She's, she's a hip so cool. lady. She's hip. She's cool. She loves Shakespeare, just like you and I, Mo. I do love Shakespeare. Uh, you know, this is one of the very rare moments where, like, you actually didn't need to tell me <laughs> what what this was. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, but I like, I loved your note on this. <laughs> My note on here says, this audio clip is going to be <laughs> from The Tempest. Culture, motherfucker. Culture, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear some of the bard's words being read. From the movie Basket Case. Art thou afraid? No, monster, not I. Be not afraid. The isle is full of noises, sounds, and sweet airs that give delight and hurt not. Sometimes a thousand twangling instruments will hum about mine ears, Twangle. and sometimes voices that if I then had waked after long sleep will make me sleep again. And then in dreaming, the clouds methought would open and show riches ready to drop upon me, that when I waked, I cried to dream again. Classic. I mean, that really says it all, doesn't it? Uh, if you haven't seen the film before, she's rocking a chair in a rocking chair. That's what she does in front of a in front of a fire while holding Belial in her arms uh, in a motherly fashion. Fucking cats! <laughs> I swear to God, I'm gonna kill them both. <laughs> then what happens to the aunt Mo? Uh. <laughs> Oh yeah, then uh, okay. So so it, this is actually a really great use of flashback here because like it like it this this whole scene is only like maybe ten minutes ish, and uh, so it, it shows them from a very young age, and then it cuts cuts later on, and that's when the tempest happens, and then it cuts to much closer to the present. Um, you know, because we see an, an adult Dwayne, and the aunt has passed. Yeah, she's fucking dead, Mo. Yeah, she's fucking dead. We see her in her casket, and that ends the flashback, because Mm -hmm. now that she's dead, it's time to get revenge on those fucking doctors. How dare they? Medical professionals, time to die. Time to die. So, now we're back to the present, where Casey is helping a drunken Dwayne up to his apartment. 
He, he says he's okay, but as she lets him into his apartment, he almost collapses on the floor. She helps him onto his bed, but then something odd happens. Mo, it seems like he's completely passed out, but then he suddenly gets up, walks out the door, grabs the basket, brings it back in, and then immediately falls asleep again. Yeah, it's a, one of those classic sort of drunky moments. Well, I think it's the suggestion is that Belial has the ability to really control Dwayne in some significant ways. Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. I just assumed I thought it was like a psychic was... thing. I oh, see, I took it as like one of those like real brief moment of clarity there. <laughs> you know, he's like, "Oh yeah, right. I got to get this." <laughs> and then comes in and passes out again. But you're you're probably right. Maybe, who knows. Who knows? Uh, any listeners out there have their own interpretation? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I like how every other show in the world would be like, leave a message in the comments. You know, let us know what you think. And we're just like, we don't give a shit. <laughs> like, subscribe, and go fuck yourself. Um, so she leaves. Uh, Casey does. She goes over to her own apartment and locks it. And then, this is most favorite part of the movie, she starts to get undressed, baby. This is actually my least favorite part of the movie because there's, like, we're so teased with it and then nothing happens. It it does uh, come very close to showing some skin, but mm. uh, they cleverly get around it. She uh, removes her clothes. She gets a shower. Then uh, she climbs into bed after removing her undergarments. Mm. <laughs> and as she climbs into bed, we see that Belial is hiding behind her pillows. And then he proceeds to grope her. Yeah, that's that's not right, Belial. That's sexual assault, brother. Why didn't you ask for consent first, Belial? You piece know, of garbage. Yeah. Just psychically. Honestly, ask for... uh, <laughs> I think I, I don't think we should be uh, letting Belial win any awards this award season because of his uh, really heinous <laughs> actions in this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not being flippant, piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> But she starts to scream, and uh, and as is per usual in this apartment building, people start to crowd around her door. But my favorite is the guy who's just running, like the first guy who makes it there, and he's just what wearing what tidy whities in the fucking hallway. <laughs> well, it's night because it's the middle of the night. Sl- yeah, everybody's sleeping. You know, I don't got time. So, uh, to, I don't got time to put a bathrobe on. Okay, I just ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> nobody got time for that. See, that's, that's another current reference. So this is what Casey's reaction is. Is it really that current? There's something in my room. I don't know much about women, Mo, but I think she's upset. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a bit of a, a, a you know, a dead inside, so I can't really tell what other people's emotions are. But yeah, I think she might be upset. You know, then the landlord goes in there, as he is wont to do, and he looks around, doesn't let the rest of the people in this time, which is nice of him, and the window is open once again, which, you know, you think at this point, that would be concerning to everybody in the fucking place. Yes, because it seems like every time there's a brutal murder or sexual assault that the window happens to be open, but, Mm -hmm. yeah. And we see Belial going back into the basket, but it's not just him, though. What has he brought with him? Oh, this, this dirty little boy, man, I tell you, stole her panties. Stole her panties. Now, what's going on with Belial, Mo? What do you mean? What's, it, sound, it seems like he's sex-crazed at this point. Well, yeah, because I think he uh, picked up on a little bit of that from his brother, psychically. Yeah. He's, got, he's got psychically horned up, and that's a problem. <laughs> he's a psychic horn dog. 
The landlord runs downstairs screaming, this isn't a hotel, it's a nut house. <laughs> I love that character. So Dwayne wakes up the next day and he uh, he like whacks the side of the basket saying, let's get this over with. And they go to see Jay Cutter, veterinarian? Well, it yes. Makes, it makes sense because Belial's an animal. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. So, But they're surprised by it. So they're waiting in the fucking waiting room, and there's like a dog sniffing the basket, which is so great. <laughs> uh, so uh, Dwayne goes in to see Dr. Cutter. He says that his cat has been badly cut. Um, and then uh, she fi- discovers very quickly who Dwayne actually is. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, because he tells her. Yeah, he tells her. He's, yeah. And she, she's like, he's the freak they separated. I like her reaction, though. It's not like she's not afraid. She's not like the other doctors. She's like, I assume that you want to thank me. Fucking awful woman. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty, pretty, pretty terrible. Well, when Dwayne tries to lean on her a little bit, this is her response. You've got two seconds to haul your ass out of my office. I'm not going to be threatened by some adolescent punk with a smoldering grudge unless you've grown something else you want to cut off. Ooh. She's going to cut his dick off. Oh, is that what she was saying? Probably. I don't know, man. Maybe she's on her period. Oh, women. <laughs> so... <laughs> So she uh, she asks, what's in the basket? Because, of course, these doctors think that Belial did not survive the operation. Uh, she opens it, and Belial starts throttling her and grips her jaw. And it's really weird and cool <laughs> and awesome. <laughs> but all the sounds coming from the uh, the room, uh, we see the nurses and, uh, or I guess the, the waiting staff out in the waiting room. They're, they're all very confused by the screams erupting from this place. Yeah, this is the uh, the the least subtle of the uh, of the murders so far. Uh, you know, like I mean, like the, fir- the first one, they take care of him in his home, and then they go to need. They wait until everybody's gone from Needleman, and this time they're just like, oh, "We're just going to show up and kill her." So yeah, well, I'm, and Dwayne even said, "Let's get this over with." So she grabs a scalpel, uh, but ends up dropping it, and as the drawer that she grabbed it out of is open. Um, Belial basically pushes her face into it. It's a pretty cool effect. Doesn't Belial tear her tongue out too? If he does, I I might have missed that part. Uh, he does like grab her jaw, so maybe that's what oh. the implication is. But I don't know. Yeah, but maybe. What, what happens is that Dwayne leaves, and the nurses enter the room, and when they do, um, Doctor Cutter she screams with a bunch of scalpels sticking out of her face. It's a pretty cool. Pretty cool looking effect, and I, lo- I love the f- cool. I love the fact that the receptionists are twins, because you get that great moment where uh, where you don't realize that it's a set of twins at first, because there's one sitting behind the desk, and then it pans over, and she's just right, she's there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, do you think she died? Do you think Doctor Cutter died from this injury? I would. I mean, that's an assumption, but I don't know. You don't know. Well, they don't you show don't it. Know. They don't show it. So who knows? So. um... A little bit later, uh, Sharon meets Dwayne at his apartment. She says that someone has killed Dr. Needleman, her boss. She's scared and she doesn't want to be alone. She starts crying. She's actually been with the police all day. And she just wants to spend time with Dwayne, even though he treated her very badly the last time that they were together. You know, running off like a nut and then telling her to get the fuck away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's different. He is different. So she comes into his apartment and they start making out. And he removes his clothes and starts, um, um, what would you call it? A fondling her breasts. Fondling her breasts. Yeah. 
And as women are wont to do, her response to this is... Take me, Dwayne. <laughs> oh my god! Dwayne, let me up! Let me up! Dwayne, let me up! I'm glad we got a little bit of Belial's awful screaming in there. <laughs> we, we, we should... So, yeah, I was gonna say, we should definitely clarify the screaming wasn't her. <laughs> yes, that's right. So what happens is, as... Uh, so so Dwayne gropes her a little bit. She says, take me, Dwayne. And then as soon as she says that, Belial bursts out of his basket and starts screaming and freaking the fuck out. Uh, but before she can really see what's going on, Dwayne wraps her in a blanket and throws her out of the apartment. <laughs> like literally just tosses her. <laughs> and Dwayne is also very upset. He yells at the basket. He goes, damn you. And he starts to cry. And she runs off. I like she runs down the stairs and but before she gets to the bottom, she stops like halfway through, turns around and goes, Dwayne! <laughs> <laughs> She's a quality actress. Despite the commotion, Dwayne is later able to get back to sleep, or get to sleep, I should say. Uh, and Belial is watching him from the basket. He should al- should also uh, should also clarify this is the uh, the only film in uh, this actress's <laughs> IMDb page. <laughs> they make good use of her, as we're about to see. Um <laughs> So, Dwayne is sleeping, Belial watching him sleep, he hops out and, using the magic of stop motion, crawls across the floor, and this is actually kind of creepy, his eyes glow red, and there's a suggestion that he's going to actually try to kill Dwayne, Um, but he stops himself, he pulls back, and he looks out the window, and his eyes glow red again, and I'm going to guess that when Belial's uh, eyes glow red, it means he's in a murderous mood. What? He's in a murderous mood. Oh, yeah, he probably. He wants to kill with his red eyes. Sorry, the audio skipped there for a second, so just I just heard, like, when his eyes glow red, ood. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so uh, while uh, Belial is doing whatever he's doing, we see Dwayne tossing and turning in bed, and then we cut to his dream, Mo. And what's notable about this dream? Ugh. So much nudity. Oh, excuse me. Uh, there you go, fans. You got to hear me yawn on, <laughs> on mic again. Um, he is uh, very, very naked. He's very naked. His little dick is hanging out there, just bouncing around as he's running down the street. <laughs> it's like Arnie in Terminator without the muscles. Yes. So what <laughs> happened, uh, apparently how they filmed this was that they had, uh, they would drive with two vans to an empty street. Like, they'd find an empty street, um, they'd park one van at one end and one van at the other, and he'd just run from one to the other uh, just very quickly, and then they'd just do it again and again until they got all the shots that they needed. Wow. Pretty clever. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, that's one way to... Uh... And, of course, they did it in the middle of the night, so... <laughs> yeah. 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 Could you imagine, like, if... If you just happen to be like awake at that time and you just happen to look out your window, and there's some big haired, naked, skinny dude yeah. <laughs> running down your street. It's the city that never sleeps, Mo. I was, I was going to say, if, of course, in, in New York, they'd probably be like, oh, fucking white, <laughs> white, white people. <laughs> so um, we then go back uh, from the dream to what we actually, it's, it, in the dream itself, the naked uh, Dwayne approaches an apartment, goes inside, and we get a POV shot, uh, and we see that he's actually 
uh, going through the reception, the receptionist Sharon's window and towards her in bed. So apparently the psychic connection that he has with Belial is actually connecting him really through his eyes or mind or whatever. Right. And the fact that he's naked in his dream is supposed to represent, I guess, the fact that Belial is really naked all the time. Something in the POV shot, Belial, I guess we could just say here, pulls her blanket down and starts uh, touching her nipple and rubbing it. Yeah. Belial is really into, like, sexual assault. Yeah. And in fact, Mo, there is a suggestion here that he goes even further than that, don't you think? There, there is a, a an implication here, but you know it's it's weird. Be- because what happens is that Dwayne wakes up for real in his own apartment. He goes to the basket, sees that it's empty, and he sees the open window. Um, and at that same moment, um, uh, Sharon wakes up, sees Belial on top of her, and starts screaming. And he starts choking her with his monster hands, and he kills her. He actually chokes her to death. Then Dwayne arrives at the apartment, and. When he arrives, what's Belial doing? Um, he's well. He's sort of mounted <laughs> uh, uh, up on her. It's very weird. He's kind of rocking. Yeah, on like her blood, I, I, on her bloody crotch. Yeah, I think the Im- implication here is that he's supposed to be like attempting sex with her, but as far as I can tell, he doesn't have the equipment to do right. so. Yeah, he's trying to make sex, but he's just not. It's just not happening. Right. So Dwayne shoves him in the basket and runs off with him, and now he's fucking pissed. Dwayne is super pissed at Belial for killing and possibly raping his girlfriend. And he goes back to the apartment, and as he's coming in, he's really losing his shit. He's screaming, and he kind of sounds like this. Why Because I don't want to hurt! You steal like a thief! What's wrong with you? No! What the hell? That's a very good response to what's happening here. <laughs> yeah. As Dwayne just runs into the apartment yelling at a basket. Um, <laughs> so the tenants all follow him into his apartment. Like you said, they, they do like doing that. And yeah. as they come in, Belial bursts out of the basket and grabs Dwayne by the dick and raises him off the ground. That Belial, he is uh, very strong. Weird sexual things going on in this movie. Well, yeah. Do you think he grabbed his dick because he's jealous because he doesn't have one? Um, uh, maybe, or just because that's a super painful place to be grabbed. Then Belial jumps at Dwayne, and they both end up falling out the window. Dun dun dun! And uh, we see that in fact, Belial is holding on to um, it's like right in front of like the sign for the hotel, while still throttling Dwayne, who's that's like how he's being held. Hanging from the side of the building. Yeah, he's hanging him by his neck. Now, you know, did you expect, Mo, that that when they go into the hotel, that that's the ground floor, right? So, and up that flight of stairs seems to be, like, where, <laughs> where Dwayne's apartment is. So, shouldn't it just be, like, one floor up? Um, I th- think the implication is that there's, uh, that they are several floors up but they only well, certainly ever... the implication here is <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. They, they only ever show him going up but like but like that one flight of stairs he goes up is you know it, it's not it's you know it's it's a lot of stairs it's not like he's only going yeah. up like five or ten stairs he's going up a lot well outside the hotel belial 
and Dwayne, they're hanging for their lives, or one of them is being throttled for his life. Eventually, Belial lets go, Dwayne falls, and then Belial soon follows after him. They both fall bloodily to their deaths on the sidewalk, Mo. Presumably to their deaths, yes. To their deaths for sure. And, you know, once again, it was beauty killed the beast. <laughs> Twas beauty what killed the beast. <laughs> Dead on a sidewalk. No chance of Basket Case 2. Certainly no chance of Basket Case 3 ever coming to fruition. Until they do. Until they both did, yes. And they're both right. good. Not as good as yeah. this, but it, they're both good movies. I like them. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, uh, a trilogy is concerned, it's it's not bad. I mean, the first lots one's of, def- definitely the best one. But Lots of crazy makeup effects in those fucking movies. Yeah, yeah, it gets real wild. And then the credits roll, Mo. Your favorite yeah. part of any movie, the credits. Yeah, absolutely my favorite part. The part yeah. I, de- I definitely watch every time. What's the most notable thing about these credits, Mo? I don't know. I didn't watch them. That this movie, of course, was dedicated to Herschel Gordon-Lewis, the late now, unfortunately, Herschel mm-hmm. Gordon-Lewis, who passed away in 2016, the godfather of gore, they say. We're losing all the all the legends. All the legends, it's true. Um, See, now I did watch that documentary. Mo, do you think at the Academy Awards <clears throat> in 2017 that they will mention Herschel, Herschel Gordon-Lewis uh, when they show their parade of dead stars. Um. Well, I if memory serves, they didn't mention David Friedman when he died. So I feel like like Lewis might be a little more publicly known. Yeah, that's a fair point. He definitely had the higher profile of the two of them. Although I always liked Friedman better. Um, you know. But yeah, maybe I doubt it. We'll see. Well, what did you think of the movie Basket Case? I love Basket Case. I was super excited, which is why I'm super annoyed that like I'm so asleep, yeah. you know, for this because like <laughs> I know I, I tr- trust trust me, audience. I'm well aware of how fucking boring I was this episode, but uh, you know I'm and of course now I'm starting to wake up in an hour and a half later. All right, know. let's take it from the top, Mo. Yeah, so the movie begins. Start right from the beginning. Again. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget. I mean. uh, well, now you hit it, fucking first time. <laughs> um, yeah, I was chewing on my tongue the first time for some reason. Mo, if someone wants to check out Basket Case, what's the way that they should do it? Basket Case. Yeah, the movie Basket Case, the one we just watched. Uh, I don't know, go online. Yeah, I think something weird still has the rights to it. I believe they do, since they they still do a ton of work with uh, with Frank Kennenlauter. Um So I mean, I'd imagine they still have the rights to it. That's how I own it. I have the like. I actually had the, I I had to have you send me the send me a copy because I still only have the v, the something weird VHS that I picked <laughs> up back that I picked up like in the early two thousands from them. I imagine that most of the most of the people who listen to this show are well aware of Basket Case and have seen it before or many I'd times imagine. before. Yeah. But really, it is kind of a monumental movie of this type. So it's right. the kind of thing that you really should check out. It's got so much kind of like sleazy charm, but it delivers everything that you need. It's violent. Mm. It's uh, there's some nudity if you if you're into that, both male and female. Um, yeah, both, it, both it, ways. It's a lot of bad taste shit in there. Uh, and also, it reminds you of those good old days when you're bound to be offered drugs while walking down the street in New York City. <laughs> now, if only that was the case in New Haven, I'm telling you. Fucking Giuliani. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
But that's it. That's Basket Case from 1982. It's great. I mean, you knew that before we started, but now you know it again. Yeah, and if you're one of the very rare people who, uh, A, listens to this show, and B, hadn't seen Basket Case yet, which I find is probably a very, very small number, uh, well, now you know. Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you is what we meant to say just then. Yeah. You should have watched you should have watched the fucking movie before you listened to the show. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but just listen to the show. That's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Mo! Yes. What's coming up next on the No Budget Nightmares podcast? Uh, I'm trying to think if I can remember what you said. <laughs> uh, I believe you said we're going back to the uh, Bloody Nightmares box set. We are because right? we've now watched probably one of the more well-known movies we've ever covered. This and Bad Taste are really up there. Yeah. And so we are going to then progress onto another movie from the Bloody Nightmares box set. For those who don't know, it's it was a 100-movie uh, box set which came out years ago through Mill Creek that Mo and I kind of it kind of started off the podcast to some extent. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I think the or- the original intention for the show was we were going to cover you know, mostly movies from the box set. And then like, I think five movies in, we were like, fuck this. And, uh, and, and the thing is I had watched 36 of the movies even before we started the podcast. And I, I should have known even at that point, wait, most of these are not worth talking about. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, we are going back to it. We're going to watch a film called serial killer, serial killer from the year 2002. Uh, directed by, <laughs> I should have it here, directed by Ryan Cavalline, who actually has a couple of films on that box set. Uh, also, it's notable because it actually features a few friends of the show, including Joel Weinkoop and Ron Bonk, and uh, some other notable shot-on-video legends uh, have, have, have appearances in this movie. I saw it many a year ago. I remember it having some interesting moments, Mo, uh, but whether that holds up or not, I guess we'll see next time we record. Indeed. I should mention, by the way, Mo, that I did ask you many an hour ago to think up movies that we should watch on the next episode. Yeah, you asked me while I was asleep. <laughs> you should you should always be dreaming about what we're going to do <laughs> on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Fair enough. Next episode, 2002's Serial Killer, which, by the way, has a very generic title. Yeah. Hey, the IMDb profile for it has its budget. Let's see what it says. Apparently $3,000. All right. So well within uh, the range for this show. There you go. So Serial Killer next time. Mo, if people want to check out more about the No Budget Nightmares podcast, what's the best way for them to do so? Now they can pop on over to Facebook. Give us a search over there, No Budget Nightmares, or just go right to No Budget Nightmares. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares. And they can, of course, go over to dorkshelf.com, check out our latest episodes. If you want to check out all of our information and all the archived episodes, why don't you go over to nobudgetpodcast.com. From there, you can contact the show if you want to leave us an email. You can also find links to both of our Twitter pages. Mo is at DrunkOnVHS, and I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And you can also support us on Patreon. There's a link there on the website as well, or you can search for No Budget Nightmares on Patreon for as little as a dollar an episode, $2 a month, really. You can really help the show get going. And I'll tell you what, this little inside secret between Mo and myself and you, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you're going to get some extra added value in the very near future that other people won't get. So why don't you hold on to your socks, buckaroos? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we shall be providing some very interesting things in the near future, but in the very, very near future, we're going to be watching Serial Killer, Mo. Yes. Did I forget to promote anything at all? Um. Well, I've got a new show starting yes. soon. Um, technically, it's an old show, but I'm bringing it back. I only ever did one episode of it previously, so... Uh, Meet the new show, same as the old show. Uh, no, no, very different. No, uh, very different? <laughs> yeah, no, back in, uh, God, if, I don't know if it was 2010, 2011, uh, I did one show with uh, David Anthony, who was the guy who ran Couch Cutter, who has since fallen off the planet. I have no idea where he is. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> He's somewhere. Like He pops up every now and again, and I'll be like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, but yeah, we did one episode. It was The show was called uh, Dead End Drive-In. Uh, and, uh, in the one episode we did, we covered, uh, dead heat, which was fun, but, uh, it since fell off the, uh, fell off the face of the planet, much like David Anthony did and, uh, decided to bring it back with, uh, Brandon Bennett, friend of the show. And, uh, yeah, we we're going to cover for the first episode, which we're recording tomorrow, uh, should be out next week. Uh, we're going to cover, uh, kiss meets the phantom of the park. All right, Mo. I think that we are done for today. Usually, we'd now talk about the movies we've seen recently, but you got to get to work. Yeah, I do. Mo, Mo, in fact, is very upset about the fact that we've gone so long already. So we need to end things right now. But we will be back in just a couple of weeks with Serial Killer from 2002. And also, we love you very much. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, folks. All right. Take me, Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne, let me out. Let me out. Dwayne, let me out!